You're listening to Between Two Ravens, a Norse mythology podcast with Sean and David. Hey, Sean, how's it going? David, it's going great. Thank you. How are you? Just working on my German a little bit. Maybe we'll throw that at the end of the episode. Yeah, I didn't realize we were going to do that little bit like so early in the episode. I thought it was going to be like five minutes in, but uh, thanks uh, for the uh, for keeping we'll on my it. toes. We'll try, it. we'll try it again. You got to be, be on your toes, Sean, on your toes. No, um, I've just been playing out in the pool today. That's what I've been doing. How about you? Yeah, no, you, so you just uh, you just got a pool, it sounds like. I got On Amazon, it was like 60 bucks. Yeah, and so I put some AstroTurf down and leveled the ground, and uh, I got a little pool now. Yeah. Wait, so the above ground pool is only 60 bucks? Yeah, yeah. It's 10 feet, 10 feet across, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. How, like, how deep is it? Three feet. Yeah. Okay, so you can actually probably like stand up. You can, actually, you can just stand in it now. Yep. And so is it like uh, a blow pool? Or... What's that? Is it like a blow pool? Or... It's, it has one ring that inflates on the top. Otherwise, it's just like a bag full of water. Yeah. So that's You're going to send me a link to this shit. This sounds, this sounds intriguing. It sounds like a good day. Like it's very hot out. Like you'll go out with a beer or something and just like put and a long chair in the it's water. It's in the shade of our. Uh, yeah, it's in the shade of our neighbor's tree. There's got to be a good like proverb there about uh, it's better to have a shade from your neighbor's tree than having to grow your own tree. <laughs> that's that's awesome. I'm sure that that was Hobbamall part four if, uh, if they ever find it. But no, that's awesome. Um, so on Friday, I saw Thor: Love and Thunder. Nice. That was it. I have not it, seen it. It like I it was kind of a mess. Um, I I found it very entertaining though. Like if, like I love the Thor movies. I thought Thor Ragnarok was one of the best Marvel movies. I would highly recommend this one, but you just have to kind of go into it understanding that it's kind of cheesy and like like a lot of the plot points kind of don't make sense as far as the direction, but I, I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, I bet they have a bunch of good deleted scenes too, just for how much like money they spend on it and how much time they spend recording. Yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. There was a lot of scenes that they showed in the trailers that didn't show up. So you could tell like they were just kind of having fun with it and based on everything I know about like, uh, you know, Taika Waititi and then like Chris Hemsworth, they probably just had a lot of fun and they were just like, all right, well, we're going to film 18 scenes and we'll choose the best one, but we'll like keep the other ones like uh, ready just in case we need them or something. So, and then uh, Sean, I saw you had a, some a correction you wanted to make from last uh, episode. Yes, I did. So in last week's episode, um, we started our series on Loki and Loki manipulates these dwarves to create these gifts for the gods. Um, however, he loses a wager in doing so. The dwarves were able to beat another group of dwarves to create these gifts. The gods love them so much, and Loki end up, ends up losing the actual bet in which he is supposed to sacrifice his head. However, he tries to convince the dwarves to let him out of it. The dwarves say no. And then eventually Loki says, well, you can, I, the, the wager was that you can have my head. However, you cannot have my neck. So you can't really do anything. And it was kind of this like technicality that Loki saved himself with. However, before he made that argument, he tried to escape the dwarves and the Aesir that were present by using these shoes that allowed him to run over air. So pretty much he could fly, but uh, you get the picture of Loki maybe like sprinting as if he's running on ground, just going through the air. And Brock, the dwarf, who won the wager, pretty he says, Thor, you should go get him. And Thor did so, and he had no qualms with doing so. And I think that's when the yeah, Thor drags him back down to the ground, and um, then they get ready to sew his lips shut. Is that right? Well, yeah. So well, before that, like I guess right after that, that's when Loki says, well, the wager was that you can have my head, not my neck. And then the, the dwarves are like, fine, you got us. But like then they, then they proceeded to sew his lips shut. It's an important point for today because that Loki flies sometimes. That's an important thing to know about Loki. 
but yeah and it's also just funny that thor was like perfectly fine understanding that that point that loki was going to get his head chopped off and thor was like yep i got him and then i mean after uh after uh sif's Sif's hair i think uh, thor was ready to anyways yeah i I had a thought i listened back through our episode and uh, one of the things i didn't quite say that i know i meant to say was this idea what makes thor's hammer so good right and this idea that Actually, there's another thing. While I was filling up, filling up the pool, I got bit by a horsefly. So that really gave me some empathy for these guys that were getting bit on their eyelids and everything by a Loki as a, as a horsefly. <laughs> but yeah, those hurt. And uh, but in any case, with Thor and his hammer, that all of the difficulty that went into making his hammer, right? Like it, it, was, it didn't come easy, right, for him to make his hammer. And that idea of like, does the adversity, does the struggle make you stronger, right? Because that ended up, that was the greatest gift. And that was the one that they actually, Loki gave them the hardest time trying to make it a little lesson i thought that was in there i forgot to actually mention well no definitely the dwarves obviously had to go through a lot they it was a very strenuous activity to like i guess in brock's case he was pumping the bellows which yeah. i still don't understand exactly what they do even though you explained it to me last week and he had it's this the, fly yeah i'm sorry good that's the other thing I, yeah, as I was listening to my uh blacksmithing explanation that when you're pumping the bellows it puts more oxygen into the fire so the more oxygen you put in the hotter the forge gets yeah so but like it says a lot if he's like pumping that and then this fly like bites his actual eyelid and he still succeeds in creating it maybe he like pumped a little harder because he wanted to get done or something who knows but it's an interesting thought so in last week's episode we started our series on loki when we discussed the mischief he caused when he decided to cut off all of sif's hair as a prank in his attempt to make amends to thor and the rest of the gods, but probably more so because he didn't want Thor to break every bone in his body, he man- manipulated some dwarves to not only create a new set of properly working golden hair for Sif, but also a series of gifts to the gods that included Thor's hammer Mjolnir. So Loki was up to some no-do-goodery, however the gods ultimately benefited from it, prompting me to somewhat quote Homer Simpson in saying that Loki was the cause of and solution to many of the Aesir's problems. So all of their th- problems. Yeah, that, exactly. That's, our, that's our, uh, our motto for the season, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this week we will go into another story, which is going to be sort of a two-parter that we're going to wrap up next week, where Loki again screws over the gods in his actions. This one starting from a deal he made with the giant Thiazi in order to spare his life. Unfortunately for the Aesir, as we will learn, Thiazi's ambition involves very special apples who are owned by the goddess Edun, who will also feature in this week's story. I just had a thought of this idea of the trickster archetype. If you're thinking of, you know, any movies that you know, or things like that, the guy that is always getting himself in trouble, always somebody's, somebody wants to kill him. And then he's got to think his way out of it, right? That guy, any, any movies come to your mind, Sean? I can't, I'm not good with movies, but. Um, oh, I'm sure there's a MacGyver, Like MacGyver style. Yeah. You need some flying slippers to get yourself out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sure there's a bunch of movies, but we'll have to we'll have to think about that later and maybe post on it on Twitter or something. Um, tweet us your best uh, your best uh, trickster archetype. If uh, yeah, yeah, definitely, I like that. Um, so this this story, just like last week, is from uh, Scott Scoppermall, which is found in Snorri Sturluson's Prosetta. So to get started, Odin, Loki, and Honer were once traveling from home, which we can assume is Asgard, and crossed mountains and deserts. And they were having trouble finding food. So really quick, I just wanted to make a note because you, you're, you're noted to th- alerted three gods here, Odin, Loki, and Honor. So if you remember our episode on the creation myth, 
And there's sort of two versions, one from the Proceta, which involves Odin, Vili, and Vey being the three beings that created life on Asgard. They created the first humans and they created, you know, a lot of the cosmos. However, if you read Volaspa, you also get a portion of the same myth. However, it is not Odin, Vili, and Vey. It is Odin, Honir, and Lodor, or Odin, Honir, and Loth, depending on, you know, which translation you read. So the fact that you look at this and says Odin, Loki, and Honor, I think that's very interesting because a lot of people think that Loder is actually Loki. If this is true, then that means Loki played a part in the creation of the cosmos and humans in general. And I was thinking about this, and I know I connected with you on this, David. If Loki is a mischief or got a mischief and he's like the trickster god, if he is actually part of the creation of humans he might represent some form of like chaos or something yeah and, and just as that you know because often there's the other the other poem where um it's odin or it's high just as high what's the third other and third, third right? yeah but these these three parts of odin maybe right so that loki is odin's shadow and he's as necessary for creation as odin is there's a few other places where we saw like there's this guy that's in disguise and he's tricking Thor all the time. And it's like, maybe that's an Odin thing, but maybe that's a Loki thing too. Mm -hmm. So we'll keep coming back to that. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah but we're actually going to do an episode on this. It's probably going to be a short. Um, so we're going to probably do be doing this in the next couple of months. And the question is going to be, is Loki loader? And we're not going to have a good, we're not going to have like a concrete answer, but it's going to be something that we're going to like take a deeper dive into to explore. No, you, you, there's a bunch of things that talk about whether Loki is Logi, so L-O-K-I or L-O-G-I. The mm -hmm. fire god is Logi. Um, they say maybe that god came first and inspired Loki. If you look at the chronology over centuries, that's I've read, read that a few different places. Yeah, and I know we discussed that when we discussed uh, Utgard and Loki as well. So anyway, moving on, the the trio, so Odin, Loki, and Honor, eventually were able to create to catch an ox in a valley and begin to cook it. However, the ox would not cook when it was placed into the cooking pit. So they tried a second time. However, the ox or the meat in the ox was still raw. So they began discussing what was going on. And then a voice came from above. It was an eagle sitting on the branches of an oak tree. The eagle stated that he was actually the cause of the ox remaining uncooked and the ox remaining raw. The eagle then said he would let the ox cook if the gods gave him enough to eat his fill, which they agreed. So the eagle then ate both thighs. Oh, this is after the um, ox successfully cooked. The eagle then ate both thighs and both shoulders of the ox, which angered Loki. If you remember your Havamal virtues, right? When someone invites you over for dinner, you don't eat both the hams, right? And this shows up again. This, yeah, if he ate one of the legs, then nobody would mind. Yeah, yeah that's why Loki's pissed off because the uh, eagle did not obey the Havamal virtues. Loki ends up grabbing a stick because he's so pissed off and he swings the stick at the eagle with all of his might, striking it. The eagle flew away with the stick stuck to its body, dragging Loki along with it. The eagle then flew low enough or the eagle flew low enough to where Loki's feet dragged on the ground over gravel and trees. Loki feared that his arms would be pulled out of their sockets and then he begged for mercy. This is one that reminds me of like, Looney Tunes and Wile E. Coyote, like they're just dragging him across the uh, the desert and he's hitting all the cactus on the way. And, and when, I, when I read this, I was like, why doesn't Loki just let go? His arms are getting pulled out of his sockets, let go of the stick. But if you remember, there was that scene where I think it was with one of these, uh, one of these uh, giants, he was at their castle and he was in bird form and he lands on the tower 
and then he can't fly. His feet are stuck. So there's some kind of magic that keeps you stuck to things. Um, that's that's got to be what's happening here. Yeah, and I think that was uh, when Thor traveled to Garrett's court. But I, I, I actually didn't make that connection until you just brought it up. So that makes a lot of sense. But of course, it helps the story move along that Loki decided not to let go. Just like it, it, it makes the story go along that he got stuck in the first, or the eagle got stuck in the first place. So the eagle says that he is only going to spare Loki if he promised that he would lure the goddess Edun out from Asgard with her apples of youth. Loki agreed and was set free by the eagle. So then Odin, Loki, and Honor finish their trip and eventually return home to Asgard. One thing I want to say about the apples, they, they keep the gods youthful. And that's why they're the object of uh, Thiazi's, or excuse me, the eagle's ambition, who we're going to find out is Thiazi. So note that we already knew that most of the gods are going to die at Ragnarok. However, this is proof that the gods also go through the aging process and will die even if not killed, assuming they didn't eat the apples. So anyway, once in Asgard, Loki told Edun that he knew there was a forest that contained apples that she would find of great worth. He asked her to bring her own apples on the journey so she could compare them with the apples that they found. So they left for the forest with the apples. And that's one of the things as I was uh, just reading about different characters, I think it was um, one of the encyclopedias of Norse uh, mythology characters, that Idun's husband is Bragi, our narrator. So he's telling this whole story like, there's some lady named Idun, and it's like, no, Bragi, that's your wife. <laughs> you know, it seems like it'd be a little more uh, significant to him. And that, you know, she's not in too many stories, but that she really represents, in the Greeks, it's like Aphrodite, right? Just kind of the youthful goddess of beauty. And sometimes... Freya is kind of that goddess of fertility, beauty, lust, things like that. So that it's a place I've seen a couple of times, maybe it's, you know, it doing kind of an aspect of, of Freya, but that's a theme we'll come back to as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And I know we discussed this briefly uh, last week, and I'm sure we mentioned it a few times in a, you know, previous episode, like other previous episodes as well. But with Scott Scoppermall from the press at a, it's Braggy um, speaking with Aegir. Braggy is as we know, the uh, god of poetry, Aegir is the god of hosting parties, pretty much, or the party god, or something like that. However, in Scott Scoppermall, it's them talking as humans, but they're telling these stories about the gods. So it's kind of hard to make the connection of, you know, Braggy as the human and Braggy as the god. But in either case, he is telling this story about somebody that is supposed to be his wife, which I find very interesting. Once uh, Loki and Idun arrive to the forest, the giant Thiazi arrived in the shape of an eagle, which is where we learn that the eagle is actually Thiazi. Thiazi seized Idun and took her to his, to his home in Thrymheim. So I want to make a note here, because uh, in the episode where we discuss Thor, when he put on the wedding dress, the god that he, or the giant, excuse me, that he um, got the, his hammer stolen from was named Thrym. And if you look at the word Thrymheim, it means Thrym home. So you could make a connection here that um, Thiazi and Thrym are the same giant. However, I think just based on what we know about the stories, we shouldn't make that connection. But I just found this, um, I found the name of Thiazi's home very interesting. But they're certainly like a, that they're kin, right? And, and yeah. that as I was again reading, reading about these characters reminded that Thiazi is the father of Skaldi. And talking about this idea that right, Thiazi is stealing Idun, one of the Aesir goddesses, right? And the, that's not how it's supposed to work, right? In all the other stories, it's a, a Yotun. One of the giants gets to become a goddess. But you're not supposed to have the goddesses go back and become 
you know, the Yotanar. So if you think of them like clans rather than just um, races of people, you know, that, that, that's what uh, John Lindau was describing it that way. And it fits back to this thing I keep seeing, right? We're trying to do stories about Loki, but we keep coming back to the goddesses, right? And it seems like every time Loki's involved, there's something to do with these goddesses, either yeah. stealing their hair or them getting abducted. And the, I guess the uh, victims of Loki's shittiness often appear to be women. Yeah. Well, and then that was my thought, you know, usually I say these things at the end, but I'll just kind of intersperse them. I think that, you know, it's not necessarily just, you know, that they're stealing women and kind of trying to own them. But if you think of this like a dream, that everyone in this story is some aspect of yourself is inside of your head, especially if you're, you know, if you're a man reading this, right, then it is something about the internal feminine, right, that is trying to integrate it, but then the unconscious, the shadow is where the Jotun are, something about that, how Loki connects with this internal feminine. I've, I've seen that theme before, so I think it keeps coming back. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, Idun is captured. So with Idun and her apples no longer in Asgard, the gods start to age. They become old and gray. So the gods meet at an assembly and realize that Idun was last seen with Loki leaving Asgard. So in the second consecutive week on our series on Loki, the gods have a reason to be absolutely pissed at Loki. They, they hold a meeting and it's always, whose <laughs> it's fault like, is this? Oh. That fucker. Yeah. So yeah, so Loki ends up getting seized by the Aesir and threatened once again with torture or death. Again, last week, uh, Thor was the one, you know, threatening to torture Loki or breaking every bone in his body. And this time it's the rest of the Aesir as well. So Loki said that he would go into Jotunheim to find Edun if Freya would lend him her falcon shape. So we're in another situation where Loki needs help getting the ability to fly when he had it last week because he had those shoes. And that this is now the I think the second time we've seen Loki have to borrow her uh, falcon dress or her falcon shape. That's right. right? Yeah. So that's, the thing Loki does is he flies and he has to get this power from the goddesses, from usually a, a woman, right? So that's... I'm pretty sure it was Freya last time too. What's we'll Freya we'll last time. That and then the, that Odin can turn into an eagle on his own. The same way these Jotunar get to turn into eagles, that Odin has this, yeah, the magic power of shape-shifting. I mean, that makes sense. I think Odin's like, a, you know, 75% giant. So of course he has like some of the skills of you know, both but, the Aesir and the, and the giants. And maybe it's partly his, like his studying, right? His searching for wisdom and all these powers of uh, yeah. not all the gods do that, right? Exactly. So anyway, Freya gave Loki her falcon shape. And so he flew north into giant land. And I just wanted to mention this really quick because it every time or most times that we've mentioned Jotunheim, it, it always has been considered to be in the East. And this yeah. goes both to like poems that we have read in the Poetic Edda, but also a lot of the stories that we read in the Prose Edda but right now it mentions that giant lands in quotes is in the North and not the East. So I just wanted to point out that inconsistency. So anyway, Loki arrives at Thrymheim when Thiazi happens to be out to sea. So he's on his boat. So Loki like got to Edun. He turned her into the shape of a nut and held her in his claws to fly back to Asgard as fast as he could. Thiazi found out what happens when he arrives back home he took to his eagle shape once again to fly after them, the air booming with the sound of the eagle's flight. So as they neared Asgard, the Aesir saw that Loki and Edun were approaching with the eagle in pursuit. The gods left the walls of Asgard with piles of wood shaving. As Loki flew over the fortress, he dives down alongside the fortress of the wall, 
Then the Aesir set fire to the wood shavings. Thiazi then, still as an eagle, just missed catching Loki, and his feathers caught fire as he could not stop himself in time. So he fell from the air, and the nearby Aesir killed him just inside the gates of Asgard. And then the story ends with a quote, this slaying is very famous. And it's, you know, it really strikes me as there's this action scene and it's the, you know, eagles are chasing each other and the uh, Aesir are there trying to save them when they get there. It's the, the meat of poetry again, right? That mm-hmm. um, if Loki was Odin and he has this something, you know, feminine that he had to steal, right? And bring back this time it's golden apples rather than a meat of poetry. You know, it's the same action scene, right? That you've, you've seen before, but uh, something very interesting there. Yeah. Yeah, it, what, I forgot what we, that, we did that episode so long ago. I think that was like Odin flying back as an eagle and then he like peed out some of the meat or something or it like sweated out in or something. In one version, it shoots out the side of his mouth, but in the other ones, maybe it's, yeah, it comes out the backside. <laughs> and in any case, that's how humans got their poetry. But <laughs> Gotcha. But anyway, that's the story. Uh, did, like, did you have anything based on that story before we move on or should I just go ahead and get into some of the other notes that I found? To mention is, yeah, as I saw that it was a nut, you know, they, he, you know, Loki turns her into the shape of a nut, I guess, so he can carry her as he's a, in a hawk form. I feel like that had to mean something. And somewhere I saw that that is a common um, fertility symbol. I forget if it was in Ireland or England, but some other. And the idea that, yeah, you know, Idun as the symbol of fertility, eternal youthfulness, beauty, and that the, uh, the apples are things that keep the gods eternally youthful, right? That's the major kind of symbol out of this. And it's what they're, they're trying to steal, yeah. So is the connection that like, if Idun is a nut, it's because she has the potential to like grow into a tree? Yeah, exactly it's like, right. It's the, it's the seed, right? And then the seed that grows the tree that has the apples on it. And it's kind of that, uh, any aspect of that symbolism, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so anyway, there's a couple other things that I looked into and I'm sure David, I'm overthinking a lot of this. There well, with like the characters like Thiazi and Idun and then, there's like some other things like in regards to a uh, skating who I know you mentioned earlier. And the, the, that's the next story right after this. Yeah. Immediately after that. And I think it's significant that these two stories go together. Yeah. 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 So next, next week we're going to discuss, um, well, Thiazi got killed by the Aesir. Yeah. Next week we're going to discuss his daughter Skadi's revenge. But Sometimes anyway, Scaldi. is that right? I think it's just Skadi. I think you I know you said Scaldi earlier. I'm sure like you're right in like there's some sources that say Scaldi, but like it doesn't matter. But anyway, I looked up primarily the characters of Edun and Thiazi. So Edun the goddess and then Thiazi the giant that uh that kidnapped her. And I like looked and see like where else they appear in both the Proset and the Pro- Poetic Edda. Um again, like the story that we just discussed was from Scott Scoppermole. So, or the first story involving the Norse myths from the Prosetta, which is called Gilfaganin. In chapter 23, there's a chapter called Njord and Skadi. Again, Skadi, who we're going to be discussing further next week. But it mentions that Skadi is the daughter of, the, of Thiazi the giant. And it also mentions that Thiazi owns a place called Thrymheim, which we mentioned. Thrymheim means thunder home. And it also mentions here that it's in the mountains. So moving forward to chapter 26 on the character Bragi, who David mentioned is Edun's husband, it says, his wife is Edun. In her private wooden box, she keeps the apples, which the gods bite into when they begin to grow old. They all become young again, and so it will be right up to Ragnarok. So real quick, it just tells you that she keeps her apples in a box, but it also says that like the apples, it, it supports the idea that the apples keep the Aesir young. There's a later part of Scott's Copperwall where it says, 
how should Edun be referred to? And it says, call her the wife of Braggy and the guardian of the apples. These apples being a remedy for old age used by the Aesir. She is also the plunder taken by the giant Thiazi since he abducted her from the Aesir as previously stated. And then I just made a note here where the kenning for Edun would be Thiazi's plunder. And, you know, it just strikes me that this, um, Braggy's the poet, right? And he's inspired, you know, is he inspired for poetry by his wife? And in this story, she was the meat of poetry in a way that got stolen back, right? So that's uh, his inspiration, right? So yeah, if you're a great, if you're a great poet, you're uh, maybe a, a husband of a dune. That would be a, quite a kenning. Maybe I made that one up. We'll see. No, that's that's good. I mean, I, I just made up Fiazzi's plunder. So yeah. <laughs> husband of a dune is better than that. Um, but anyway, thanks, David. Anyway, so moving on to the poetic edda. If you look at the poem Grimness Mall, which we have discussed previously, in stanza 11, Odin says, Thiazi, the mighty giants, once lived in the sixth hall, now known as Thrymheim. And now Skadi, bright bride of the gods, lives in her father's old home. So you'll see Odin is uh, talking about this hall in Grimness Mall. And clearly Thiazi has died and his daughter Skadi, who again, we're going to discuss next week, has taken over that hall, which as we know from Gilfaganin is in the mountains. So moving on to Harvard's Laud, which is the poem that we covered on our episode with Thor and the Ferryman. And this is Thor talking in stanza 19. Oh, and by the way, when it comes to the poetic and I'm doing a Jackson Crawford's translation, Thor says... I killed Fiazi, the bold giant. I threw the eyes of that son of Alvaldi into the clear sky. Those are the greatest monuments to my deeds, which everyone can see ever since. I wanted to, I thought this was interesting because the story that we just discussed mentioned that the nearest Aesir that were right there killed Fiazi. In this case, in the poem, in the poetic edda, it mentions that Thor was the one that actually killed him. Yeah, that they're, that they're all beating him, but Thor gets the death blow in, which just makes sense. We talked last week about the sons of Valdi and being dwarves, right? And I think there's other stories where dwarves are trying to steal Freya from the gods, right? So this idea that is it giants or is it dwarves that are trying to steal the, the beauty and the the women from the Aesir, right? That's uh, yeah. Well, yeah, and that's actually something that um, I, I thought about when I read the next poem that I'm going to discuss in the Poetic Edda, Locusena. And I know we mentioned Locusetta many, many times, and we're, I promise since it Gotta features that, Loki, we're going to be doing that also in the next couple of months. But there, there's two things here. In, in Locusetta, I'm going to first go to stanza 50 and 51, where Loki is speaking to Skadi, and then in stanza, and then Skadi is speaking to Loki. Loki says, I was still first and last on the battlefield when we fought your father, Thiasi. Look at what happened to Thiasi. You, don't, you couldn't really say that that was actually a battle. Maybe there was some other story out there where there was a battle and Loki was a part of it. Because in some other stories where Thor is running away, there is like a whole army chasing him too, right? So maybe maybe that's happening in the background, but uh, Snorri forgot it or just thought it was too messy. Yeah, yeah definitely. And then Skadi like pretty much tells him to you know go fuck himself or something like that. But earlier in the poem, um, it involves heavily Bragi, as, as we both have mentioned, in Edun and Loki. So in stanza 16, Edun is talking to her husband who just got into a very heated exchange with Loki. In, in Locusena, Loki gets into a very heated exchange with everyone, but it really happens to Bragi. It happens for over multiple stanzas. 
And then in stanza 16, Edun says to her husband, think of your children by blood and by adoption, and don't slander even Loki here in Aegir's hall. In stanza 17, Loki responds, silence, Edun. I don't think there's any woman more lustful than you, not since you wrapped your pretty arms around the killer of your brother. And who's her so, brother? So it doesn't actually, there's like nowhere where it says anything about that. Um, does the Ozzy kill? Does the Ozzy kill anybody else anywhere? I don't believe so, no. But this is very interesting because, first of all, like Loki clearly thinks that Edun is attractive, and they both were together when he first got her kidnapped, but then he had to rescue her. And then there's like nothing that is, I, at least as far as I know, there's nothing that is said about the killer of her brother. However, there is a poem that was probably written later than like the poems that we typically read on the Poetic Edda that describes Edun as one of Ivaldi's other children. And this goes to the point that I made last week and the point that you made you know, a few minutes ago, meaning that she would actually be descended from the dwarves. And also note that Thor mentions that Thiazi is a son of Alvaldi. So if Alvaldi and Ivaldi were the same being, then that means that Thiazi and Edun would actually be siblings. Yeah, and that he was trying to steal her back, that wouldn't be surprising. And that especially with these all these mythologies that they're uh, marrying their siblings isn't surprising either. So yeah. it, no, it really is. And like I don't think that we should assume that that is what's happening here because if you remember Avaldi, they were most certainly dwarves, which might be dark elves, and I'm pretty sure they are dark elves. However, Thiazi is clearly a giant in this case. There's, there's sometimes overlap with those concepts. It, it definitely is strange. Sean, let me finish. I, I got a thought. Well, no, no, no. And I think you. I think I know where you're going to go with this. Like, it's very hard to like really say this person is this or, or this god is this. This this god is a giant, etc. Because there's like so much inter like mingling here as far as like species. Like I mentioned earlier that Odin is 75% giant, but he is part of the, he's like the all father. He's like the head of the Aesir. And so if Edun is like an elf or a dwarf, that's where maybe there's like some connection between the dwarves, the dwarves and the giants as well. So David, what are your thoughts? I feel like I, I've been talking a lot about this episode, but. No, I've, I've been jumping in in the middle. You, what I always enjoy is that you decide how we're going to lay out the episodes, right? And it's, and we're going to talk about Loki, right? After we finish talking about the, you know, the gods, right? We were talking about Thor, the warrior, talking about Odin, kind of the king or the magician. We think we're talking about Loki, but then very quickly we start talking about the goddesses and also that Freyr is coming into this. And so one of the things I was looking up, I was just reading about Idun on Wikipedia and they were mentioning that the apples show up in another story. And I feel like and it's a story about Frey and we're going to have to come to that story, I think, fairly soon. But this idea of how did the gods then connect with the the goddess. And we talked a little bit about like kind of just pagan religions that have both a god and a goddess, right? Out of Christianity, we, you know, our our culture for the last 2000 years hasn't really been too interested in the goddess. They'll talk about that. Uh, what is the name? Oh, Lilith. That Lilith was maybe God's like ex-wife or something that now is, you know, labeled as a demon. And, you know, that he's uh, either intimidated by her or um, offended by her or something. You look back at these religions before the Catholic Church decided what Christianity should look like. And this idea of the goddess, you know, in Gnostic Christianity, it's uh, Sophia is wisdom. This idea of like the one goddess that maybe comes before or after God. That's, that's another question, right? Which came first, the chicken or the egg? But then you break up the goddess into all of her parts, right? Just the way we've broken up, you know, the, the God, right? Into the hero, the king, the magician, the lover, right? 
why, you know, why is it so similar? Sometimes Freya and Frigg, they kind of sound like the same thing that Freya and Idun kind of have some similarities, right? Mm-hmm. That would be the idea that they're, they're aspects of the goddess. And it somehow Loki connects you there. That's just the pieces I put together as I was listening back to our last episode. And I'm like, that is, that's where we're going. So what are your thoughts on that, Sean? I don't know. I'm just like trying to picture like Loki as the, the bean of intrigue and like, he just like gets yeah. in, he like gets it into the mix when it comes to like the women of the court, if that makes sense. But no, but, but that part that like Thor has to stop being so macho and being like, I'm tough and I don't need anybody. And it's like, you know, is Loki the kind of the, uh, the matchmaker, right. And sets, sets them all up with the, with the goddess or a partner or something. And that, that Scaldi. So I was talking about the, the different aspects of the, the goddess, right. So it'd be like the, there's that, the young youthful, right. Idun there's, um, Frigg is kind of like the wife, right? She's very much, yeah, the mother of, uh, of Baldur. Yeah, of Baldur. Yeah, Baldur, yeah. Um, and she's the wife of Odin, right? So she's the queen kind of, right? And then Freya is kind of a bit of a sorceress magician and all the other parts kind of too. But, um, and then that, that Skaldi is this idea of like a independent woman who doesn't want to be married, right? And that they uh, tell her she needs to pick somebody. We'll get to her story. But that idea that we're already kind of, you know, this story is bringing in all the different uh, goddess characters as well, so. Oh, one story, just me bringing in different mythologies. They say this idea of a hawk stealing sacred apples is in Celtic mythology too. So the idea that that's actually an old story. It's not just uh, Snorri making up stories, right? And in that one, it's female griffins who have to rescue the sacred apples. So it's not Loki flying around. It's some um, female griffins. What are they, part lion, part eagle, part something else? I believe so. And like, I'm not too familiar with Celtic mythology, but yeah, I think a griffin, and this is based on like what I know about a joke that Family Guy told. Um, I'm pretty sure a griffin is a flying lion, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it's got it's got wings. One of them has an eagle head, but one of them has a lion head. Maybe it depends on what mythology. This is also just one of those things I find really interesting as I'm reading all different kind of books that are only, you know, somewhat related to mythology. Reading about the the Orphic religion, which is basically this religion maybe that came in Greece, maybe is influenced by Egyptian mythology, but also was kind of like. 500 BC or earlier, but they were connecting that some of the, the gods, the goddesses for the Greeks, the Assyrians had a goddess who elevates the soul and integrates it into the sacred tree. So going to this idea of what do the apples really mean? Uh, this idea, you know, what is it that keeps the gods alive? And then this actually can come back to, you know, our, um, the Christian mythology with Adam and Eve, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the gods really upset with them for eating the apple. They become conscious but is it that people being conscious and praying and thinking about God is what keeps them alive, right? That would be- I was waiting I, for you to bring up the apples of Adam and Eve. Yeah. Right. And that, that yeah, that, that somehow when you, you, know, you drink the meat of poetry, you speak the language of the gods, right? Then you have consciousness like them, right? That uh, something like that. I think it all links together. But, but in any case, that, that Assyrian goddess, they, they connect her with Persephone in the Greek mythology. That Persephone is the one that Hades- steals from her mother and her mother is um you know the goddess of the harvest and keeps the the crops coming back so when her daughter is stolen then it becomes winter and nothing will grow until they can get her back so whether um hades the you know the god of the underworld is kind of like loki or kind of like dwarves it's the same myth you know yeah they're they're writing it down here in what like the year uh, 1200 Mm. with uh snorri but it goes back to yeah you know 500 600 bc they were telling these stories too it's a very true story to me. <laughs> what are your thoughts, John? I, I have many thoughts. Like, I don't know. I just, I think the, uh, the idea of, um, I don't know, just like in the, in this story, the apple, you know, being the means to potential immortality, immortality, 
Like if they didn't know about Ragnarok, they could potentially consume these apples over and over again and live forever. Right. And so like, I'm just like, like that kind of just like puts in my head the idea of like, like, I don't want to get too off topic, but I feel like, is that like the way to be happy? Just like knowing that you're going to live forever and ever and ever, no matter what, if you eat these apples. Right. Right. And so the gods clearly think so. The gods don't want to go grow old. So they consume these apples, which I think is something that we, most of us would do. But like at the same time, like you're just kind of like extending your life to the point where each individual moment has less impact. And I know this isn't necessarily what you were getting over, like getting getting into, but I feel like if you have like a certain like lifetime over a hundred years, let's say, like each one of your moments in life, like each breath you take is going to be more important than if you lived 300 years. And so like if you do hypothetically live for thousands and thousands of years, and you keep eating these apples to like extend that. Like, at what point are you stopping? Are you not living anymore? If that makes sense. Oh yeah. Well, and, and actually, I wasn't even going to connect in the walled garden today, but we were just talking about the idea of uh, the myth of Sisyphus and keeping and and being immortal, and how maybe in some ways that's kind of like hell, right? That your life is no longer meaningful, right? Why do a thing today? Why not do it tomorrow? Yeah. If you live forever, that specter of death is what means get it done right now. Start doing it because there might be no tomorrow. That's why it's meaningful. Otherwise, you can just do it whenever. It doesn't matter. And it really does, kind of, you know, I, I was, that's, that's where I was wanting to go was how does, how is this practical, right? How do we, what is this to, you know, to eat the apples and to keep the gods alive? What does that have to do with our, our real life, right? But if eating the apples is the meat of poetry, right, then, then writing poetry is what's keeping the gods alive. And why are we still talking about it right now, right? Because somebody was writing poetry and they wrote it pretty good, right? And people keep mm-hmm. rewriting it and that keeps something going, right? So it's, to me, that's something very much uh, underneath all of this. If it wasn't obvious from the meat of poetry myth, it's more obvious here, I think, with uh, Yadun. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, I don't know, just tying it back into like humans today. Like if if we know that if we eat more apples, we're going to be healthier. And let's say instead of like having an expected lifetime of 60 years, we're going to have an 80-year expected lifetime. Yeah. That's great. And like those extra 20 years, like you can do something very meaningful, but like, let's say that can hypothetically live forever. I feel like you're getting to the point where it is kind of hell. Like you're just like, okay, well I'm living forever, but like, you know, I'm not even enjoying myself anymore. The myth of uh, Sisyphus and man, you know, yeah, I I love the way um, Rocco was describing Albert Camus take on the myth of Sisyphus is that Sisyphus is rolling the boulder uphill, but it's a hill that never ends. He keeps going up, but he's convinced he's going to get there. And that he just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. He sort of never stops and enjoys life. He's always just pushing for this next thing. And he can do it for eternity. But if he just stopped and, yeah, like he, he won't let himself stop, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think, like, the apples are great. And, again, like, I think if we all had that opportunity, we'd be like, yeah, I want to be young forever, like, in that time frame. But, like, that, I feel like the apples represent something here where it's, like, not necessarily the forbidden fruit, but it's just, like, the fruit that, like, is not necessarily giving you what you want. And that's like happiness. Well, and but anyway. that's, that's the, uh, that's with the um, garden of Eden, right? That once you, once you know about your mortality, if you don't think about it too much, it's not a problem. Once you stop and think about it, now you have a problem. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's exactly what the apples represent in that myth. And I'm also just, as you're talking about, you keep saying apples, I'm just like, it works on so many levels, right? The, the apple a day keeps a doctor away, right? Like just eat your apples. <laughs> that's another, that's another good part of the myth. <laughs> anyway, and I think we've gotten too far off topic. <laughs> we're way too far off. No, we ran, we ran out of things, but that's because part, next time we're going to connect in more about the goddesses and, uh, and I want to bring uh, Freyr, uh, the god, back into this pretty soon too. So, 
Yeah, no, no, we definitely are. We're going to bring uh, the, that poem from the Poetic Edda for Skirnis. But yeah, I think that's all we have, uh, David. So this is like, again, part one. This is like a story in its own self. However, um, next week, we're going to discuss what Theazi's daughter, Skady, thinks of all this. And then we're going to discuss what the gods do to appease Skady to, I guess, hinder her rage, if you will. Awesome. Well, th- yeah, you too. Have a great night, uh, David, and have a great night, everyone else. Thank you. Bye. Mein Schmitterling, we ist das Witter heute. Heute. How is the weather today? <laughs> uh, das, Wetter ist, heute. das Wetter is sehr gut. <laughs> I thought it was sunny. Is it sunny there? Uh, yeah, it is actually. It was uh, not sunny earlier today, but now it is. I guess we'll see if that works or not. But anyways, I was going to say, Sean, how's your uh, German, German uh, Duolingo lessons been going? It's going well. Yeah, we're learning about activities, but we're also learning about things in the apartment. Ooh, I don't think I'm there yet. But yeah, so like a Schreibtisch is a desk. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like ordering something from uh, Ikea. Yeah. Wait, what's that? It sounds like ordering something from Ikea. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. But it's funny because when I started, like I, I've been learning German on and off for like the last 10 years, and I've done a very bad job of it. But like when I did like Rosetta Stone or yeah. some like knockoff of it like 10 years ago, one of the phrases that stuck with me is de Kraka ist unter dem Schreibtisch, which means the octopus is under the bed. And for some reason, that was like the quote that they had. And I've always like, and that's like kind of stuck with Kraken. me. Yeah, de like the Kraken, unter, yeah. yeah, exactly. But anyway, it's going fine. I Ooh. need to remember to do it every day. Um, sometimes I only have time to do like one quick lesson, but today I've done like three or four. So it's it's going. Here, we'll, we'll, we'll try one more. So, Brajan, we'll cut this out. Your line is... Uh, uh, East Est Sunny. Yeah, it is sunny. And then like that's, so, yeah, then I get, I know I mentioned earlier, uh, das Wetter is sehr gut. So the weather is very good. So let me try mine as a, hallo mein Schmitterling, we est das Wetter heute. Um, hello, butterfly. Um, how is the weather today? Yep. Hello, my little butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I did it. Anyway, let's move forward. Um, so here we go. In last we'll week's episode, we'll edit all that German together at the end. We'll yeah, just edit all that German together at the end of the episode. Make it, yeah, we'll yeah. make it sound like we know what we're talking about, which we do not.